One day a priest was giving a homily on the miracle of the loaves and fish, but he made the mistake of leaving his homily notes over in the rectory. I'll bet some of you wish I did that once in a while, huh? But this priest went on anyway, did his best. However, in the middle of the talk, he did get a little confused. And instead of saying that Jesus fed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two fish, he said, Jesus that day fed 25 people with 3,000 barley loaves and 1,000 fish, and there was plenty of food left over. Well, at that point, a heckler in the crowd yelled out, Father, that's no miracle. Anybody could do that. The priest said, could you? The heckler said, yeah, of course. Well, after Mass, the priest complained to his deacon about the heckler. We priests do that from time to time. We complain to our deacons about one thing or another. And the deacon informed him what he had done. The priest didn't realize what he had said. The priest responded, I can't believe I did that. Well, don't worry, deacon. I'll straighten it all out next weekend. So the following Sunday, he mounts the pulpit and starts off his homily by saying, Today, my brothers and sisters, I would like to continue talking about the miracle of the loaves and fish. But I have one clarification. I want to make it clear that Jesus actually fed 5,000 hungry people with only five barley loaves and two little fish. Well, at that point, he spotted the heckler in the congregation and said to him, and could you do that? The man said, of course, no problem. The priest said, oh yeah, how? He said, that's easy. I'd use the leftover bread and fish from last Sunday. <laughs> A little light-hearted story to begin. But it does have to do with the substance of my homily. This miracle, this great miracle, the miracle of the loaves and fish, is no doubt one of the best-known miracles in all of Scripture. Here at St. Pius, we have it portrayed beautifully in one of our stained-glass windows, one of them to my right. But why did Jesus do it? You know, Jesus Christ never did anything without a good reason. So why did he perform this miracle? Aside from the fact that he loved these people and didn't want them to go away hungry. Well, the answer can be found, the answer can be discerned from today's Gospel passage, which comes almost immediately after the story of the miracle in John chapter 6. You can remember back to last Sunday, you will recall that the story of the miracle itself was the Gospel reading last weekend. According to St. John, after the people had been fed this miraculous meal, Jesus and his disciples left the area. And they eventually ended up in Capernaum on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is not like the Bering Sea. It's really a big lake, also known as Lake Genesaret. Some of us from Westerly visited Israel about 10 or 12 years ago, and we took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Well, the people, or at least many of them, followed Jesus to the other side. And when they finally tracked him down, as we heard in today's Gospel text, they asked him when he had gotten there. Jesus responded with these words. We heard them a few moments ago. He said, You are looking for me, not because you saw signs, 
but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. From those two sentences, my brothers and sisters, from those two short verses, we can discern, we can figure out why Jesus performed this miracle. Simply put, he did it as a means to an end. He gave the people a miraculous meal of natural food in order to prepare them to accept his teaching on another miraculous meal, this one involving supernatural food. And we all know what that is, the Holy Eucharist. In fact, the rest of this chapter of scripture contains what biblical scholars call the Bread of Life Discourse, which is the most detailed teaching on the Eucharist in the entire New Testament. But sadly, the people didn't get the point. They did not get the message. They wanted Jesus. Yes, and that was good. However, their reasoning was faulty. They wanted him not because they wanted to hear the truth he would proclaim to them about the Eucharist and about getting to heaven. They wanted Jesus because they were looking for another free dinner. They liked the one on the other side of the lake. They figured, here's time for, we're hungry again, Jesus. Our Lord said, you, were, you are looking for me not because you saw signs. If you were, you would be hungry for my words. That's the implication. Because I performed this sign in the name of the one true God. I am his spokesperson. I am his divine son. No, you only want me because you think I'll fill your bellies again and save you the trouble of catching the fish and baking the bread yourselves. See, their spiritual motives were wrong. They were faulty. They were defective. Their reason for going to Jesus was not what it should have been. Which leads us, or should lead us, to consider for a moment our own spiritual motives. This is a day to look inward for a moment. Why do you go to God when you go to Him? Think about that for a few seconds. Is it only when you need something? See, that's when this crowd went to Jesus. They needed something. They needed more food. They were hungry. And I'm convinced this is one of the primary reasons why they were not open to his teaching about the Holy Eucharist. Their bad attitude made a really big difference. It reminds me of the family that came back to church about 10 years ago, came back to the practice of their faith. About 10 years ago, I guess it was now. And they were here every single Sunday for several months. And I can tell you exactly where they sat, because people tend to sit in the same spot every weekend. And they took up most of, a fir of one of the pews, because they had a number of children. Well, all of a sudden, they disappeared. And I never saw them here again. One of their relatives also comes to this parish. I caught that relative after Mass one day, and I said, where have so-and-so and their children been lately? And I will never, ever forget this man's response. He said to me, Father Ray, they got what they wanted from God. Now they don't think they need him anymore. <laughs>
I don't know what they were praying for. It probably was something very important. And God, in his great love, answered that prayer in the affirmative. Praise God. But then they wrote him off. Do you remember all the people who came to church in the weeks following the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001? Some of us are old enough to remember back then. Where were most of those people two months later? Apparently, they received the meal they were seeking from Jesus, the meal of his consolation, the meal of his strength, and then they decided they didn't need him anymore. But it also goes beyond Mass. Mass is important, obviously, and essential, but it even goes beyond the sacred liturgy. Think of why you go to God at other times in your life. When, for example, do you really pray? Fervently pray. When do you think of God during the course of your day? Is it only when you get into some kind of trouble? Dear God, get me out of this mess. Is it only when you are aware of the fact that you need something? Is it only when you are down or confused? Only when you want some good feeling? Well, let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. If all you want is a good feeling, you will be greatly disappointed in your spiritual life. Because, believe it or not, there are many moments when God actually allows us to experience bad feelings for a good purpose, so that we will change our lives for the better. On that note, I, I have a public confession this morning. I don't make those too often, mind you, but I will make one today. Not long ago, I made a hurtful remark to somebody, a remark I should not have made. I know you find that difficult to believe that I would do such a thing. But yes, I did, and I do from time to time. And when I left this person's presence, I got a very bad feeling which was actually a very good thing. So I went back to apologize. We had a very nice talk a few days later and renewed a friendship. In retrospect, I thank God from the bottom of my heart that he gave me that bad feeling. Or I might never have gone back. Some of you young people in the congregation went to Steubenville East last weekend. One of the mistakes that many teens make after attending that very powerful youth conference each year is that they confuse the presence of the Holy Spirit with good feelings. Because God in his great love often gives them good feelings during the conference, which is great. But remember, and this is for everyone, not just the young people. Remember, the same Holy Spirit who can fill us with peace and joy will also, at times, convict us of our sin, as he convicted me of my sin the other day. This, incidentally, is why some people get very uncomfortable during homilies that really hit home. You ever heard one of those? Where the priest seems like he's talking directly to you? Sometimes people blame the preacher. But usually it's not the preacher. If you're being convicted of a sin, it's the Holy Spirit at work. If you're going to blame anybody, blame him. It's his quote-unquote fault. But better yet, 
take the message of the Spirit to heart, repent, get to confession if you need to, make amends, and then move on with your life. The interesting thing is if you do all of that, you probably will end up getting a very good feeling on the inside. And that inner joy, that inner peace, will be a gift, will be a work, will be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the generosity, the goodness, the love of our God. So the bottom line is this, and I will conclude with this thought. We should go to the Lord constantly. We should all go to Jesus every day. Not to get good feelings, but first and foremost, to give him the praise that he deserves. For all that we have, we take it so much for granted so frequently. I know I do. We need to turn our hearts to God every day and praise him for his goodness to us and thank him for the blessings that he's given us. We need to turn to him every day to express our love for him and our desire to do his will in our lives. We need to turn to him to express our sorrow for our sins. And then we need to turn to him to ask him for what we need. Some of you remember the musical Godspell. There's a line in one of those songs that says it perfectly. We should go to God day by day to see him more clearly, to love him more dearly, and to follow him more nearly, day by day. If that is our attitude, and I hope and pray it always is, then the good news is we will be different from most of those people 2,000 years ago who got that great meal from Jesus of the loaves and fish. We, unlike them, will be hungry for God's word. And we will be open to the graces of the Holy Eucharist, the food which, as Jesus says here, leads us to eternal life.